I got a text message recently and it says, you're the reason I'm learning so much about myself and growing and the reason for all the success I've had. I think when you give people everything you've got as a servant leader and you really just care about changing their life and you care about seeing them grow and realizing in that moment that you can be a person that they look back in their life that says, you changed my life. Not many people do get that opportunity to do that. The voice you just heard is Mitch Tinch, a division manager with Cutco Vector in Canada. Mitch has been on an epic entrepreneurial journey in his life, including running a farm, real estate investment, and building his sales organization, all while starting a family as well. The Cutco Vector opportunity has facilitated all of the big dreams that Mitch has in his life by providing an environment in which Mitch could grow personally and then opening up an opportunity for him to provide that same growth for so many others. Mitch Tinch is experiencing success on multiple fronts and he is inspiring others to do the same. I know you'll enjoy hearing about his journey in this great conversation. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories, and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. My guest today is Mitch Tinch of the Canadian Vector Cutco organization. Mitch has been in the Vector Cutco business since 2012. He was a student at the University of Saskatchewan when he started graduated in 2013 with a degree in commerce and became a district manager at that time. Mitch has had some prolific development in the business, which led him to be able to take over the leadership of the Prairie Merchant Division in 2018. And his official promotion to division manager came recently here in September of 2021. So we are celebrating a milestone promotion for Mitch He's headquartered in Edmonton, Alberta, and his division includes the northern half of Alberta, plus Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and all the way out to Thunder Bay, Ontario. So huge geographic spread in his organization, which you find up there in Canada. And Mitch has been a cornerstone of the Canadian Cutco organization since he started. He's produced over $11 million in Cutco sales. Mitch, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Dan. Excited to be here. All right. I'm looking forward to getting to know you a little bit and introducing you to our audience as well. Uh, many of our US 
Cutco Vector managers probably don't know you as well as a lot of their American colleagues. Why don't you start a little bit with uh, some of your personal background? Yeah, for sure. So I grew up in a very small town in the middle of nowhere, Consort, Alberta, in Canada. And it's a really small farming community of 700 people. And uh, I grew up as a grain farmer there. I also used to have cattle. And I originally uh, heard about the job going to the University of Saskatchewan. So that's when I initially heard about it on campus. So my uh, personal background is farming. I never really did anything outside of farming and hard labor work other than Cutco. So, wow. And then, so you were going to school in Saskatchewan when you heard about the job, right? That's correct. Yeah. I was going to University of Saskatchewan, Edwards School of Business, taking my commerce degree. All right. And tell me about getting started. Yeah. So when I first heard about the job, I was at a networking event at our business school. And funny enough, what first attracted me to to Vector was the sword of Eric. <laughs> I, I was on campus walking around, you know, I'm talking to financial companies and I'm talking to management companies. And next thing you know, I see the sword of Eric, <laughs> which I was like, what is that? Is that a sword? So I go over there and I instantly, I was like, that's a cool sword. And it was Andrew Ironmonger, my manager there, which I think he got in trouble later on for bringing that sword on campus uh, <laughs> by our recruiting manager, Sherry. But <laughs> it was uh, it was kind of funny that he had that there and that attracted me. And that's why I initially heard about it. And yeah, that's the first thing that happened is I started talking to him with the sword. And then he started talking about knives. And I was like, kitchen knives, kitchen cutlery, really? It's a, that's interesting. And we just talked and I was just having a good conversation with him, really. And then I said, so you actually get paid to do this? And he's like, oh, yeah, of course, you get paid to do this. We got a $17 base pay. And I was like, wow, that's cool. I'm really busy with school. And he's like, well, you can work your own schedule. I was like, really? And then it just came down to, well, let's, let's sign you in for an interview. And that's how things initially got started. And did you have leads in, in Saskatchewan where you were going to school? I had one. I had one lead. And that was my aunt and uncle, the only people I knew there that uh, had moved there. Uh, my aunt moved there uh, from the small town of Consort as well. Oh, nice. And so that helped you get started in, in that area? And the, did you eventually sell to your entire farming town back in Consort? That's right. I would often go home almost every weekend and harvest and leading into the summer and when needed during the wintertime around school, I'd go back there often to help in the farm. And yeah, I obviously when I went home there, I would see everyone. I, I did do some virtual appointments during that time as well, obviously, when it was just uh, too far away. And I wanted to make a paycheck during the week when I was in Saskatoon. However, I did develop a great uh, base in Saskatoon as well. And just starting off one person, which is really cool. It actually expanded. I believe it was over over 20 people that I got connected to just off, off of my aunt and uncle. Oh, cool. And how far was the drive from Saskatoon to Consort? It is a three-hour drive. Okay. So. Not too bad for uh, some weekend trips. Cool. Right. Well, what were some other experiences and lessons that stand out from your, your first year with the company? Yeah. So experiences and lessons when I think about my first year, Dan, was first off, the experience of, of selling Cutco around class. It was a pretty cool experience to do it. When I think about my first eight months... I sold $18,000. I sold uh, 2000 my fast start. So I didn't have this amazing fast start. I wasn't this amazing salesperson, but I never, I would never give up. I just wanted to keep going. And 
I would do a few appointments here, a few appointments there. I think uh, an amazing experience for me was when I really set my mind to it in one weekend. I actually wrote all my exams in April. I got finished school and I said, you know what? Before I go into my summer job, I'm going to I'm going to go after as many appointments as I can in a weekend. And I finished, it was eight appointments, which was the most I'd ever done in a weekend at that time. And an amazing thing happened. I uh, ended up selling that weekend over 8000 uh, over $8,000. And Whoa. I got my first comma check with the company. Nice. And uh, that was right before the summertime. So that was a pretty cool experience just to, you know, in a weekend, make over $1,000. Never done anything like that before. That really opened my eyes. And before that, my manager, Andrew, was telling me, Mitch, you got to sell Cutco full time this summer. And I was like, well, I'm mowing grass and I farm. <laughs> so I wish he would have convinced me. Because had I had done that, I know I'd have got way better experience, made a lot more income, and learned a lot. Uh, however, I went back that summer and I, I mowed grass. I started off farming, and if you know anything about farming, uh, with grain farming, it's 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 really intense. There's a limited time period, and there's weather, and you have to get things done really fast. So generally, these are times when you're doing you know at least a hundred hours of work a week of just grinding it out, and then. Mm -hmm kind of done. After that, I went on to my, it was just 50 hour per week job mowing grass. And I continued to farm around that. I would work really, really hard in the summers to uh, you know pay for school. It's expensive. So however, I kept my Cutco job because I was like, I can work whenever I want, Andrew. And he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll check in on you. And, and Andrew just kept calling me and I would be working in a combine or I'd be in the sprayer or I would be seeding and he'd be like, Mitch, like, you know, what's your goal for the week? I'm like, well, I gotta, I gotta work like another 80 hours here, Andrew. And he's like, Oh, that's, that's tough. Well, we'll talk to you next week. And he just kept on that. And I think that was a, that was a great experience just to have a, a manager that believed in me so much and kept me accountable. It was really, really cool. And that led me to, I believe it was right around eight appointments or to 10 appointments I did the entire summer. However, I sold $6,000. Okay. So uh, that was my kind of my first summer, but he got me to the SC2 conference. And uh, for those of you that know about that, that conference and, and Dan obviously know about it, it's a game changer if you go to it. And I went to that conference and I met someone there and I, I saw people that made more money than my grass mowing job in a push period. In the push period, they made more income than me. And that attracted me because I was like, they made more money than me than I made all summer mowing grass. And I had to sit for 10 hours a day, staring into space, driving three kilometers an hour. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I think that was pretty cool. And uh, that, that experience definitely stood out to me just going there. Then I went whitewater rafting and I met some really cool people. I met Angie McDougall for the first time. And Angie was trying to convince her that I, I was one of the best. And I had, uh, had a lot of... Uh, a lot of ability to do well here. So it was cool to meet her and, and I made a lot of friends on that trip. And that experience really, really stood out to me. That's cool. A lot of people pointed at a conference as being one of the key moments in their early career. And, and uh, it, there's really a, an exposure that happens there that helps us see that uh, there's so much more to it with, uh, with Cutco than, than met the eye. And, and I love the influence of Andrew Ironmonger I remember that guy being such a positive guy and it's just so cool that he stuck with you and saw the potential you had and, and kept on being encouraging and positive and, and that ultimately that helped you break through to, to make things happen. Yeah, definitely. And he lives in the same city as me now. We get together and uh, he's running a very successful business of his own that he started now. And it's just cool to see where, where he's moved on from Vector and, and uh, you know, the success he's created for himself too. So that's, that's cool. 
Yeah, that's great. Anything else that stands out from this, uh, the first, first year you, you were selling Cutco? Something that really stands out to me, Dan, is, is getting invited. So I remember I was still mowing grass after the conference, the SC2 conference, and I get an email that pops up as I'm driving home from work. And I see this email and it says, you've been invited. And I'm like, invited to what? What is this? To Atlantic City. I was like, is this spam? (laughs) (laughs) And I look at it and I'm like, oh, it's Vector. I'm getting invited to Atlantic City because I'm a top candidate. Possibly could get a... I was like a district manager. That seems a little far-fetched, but hey, you know, let's... So I instantly... I instantly called Andrew about this. He's like, yeah, you're invited. And I got invited to Atlantic City. So that was a cool experience. I remember going there as I was moving on, on, on pace to be into Leadership Academy and going there. And I just remember having a lot of fun, getting to know Joe Cardillo a lot better during that trip and meeting some of the other management candidates who uh, I, you know, I still talk to today. One of them I just think of actually came back last summer and had a, his biggest push period he's ever had. He came back this past summer his name's Richard, and he's actually starting to sell again as he lives in Japan. Whoa. Kind of cool. But yeah. Yeah, I remember meeting him there the first time, uh, and he's a really good friend of mine. And I also just remember meeting Al DiLonardo, and that was really cool. I remember sitting at the table with him and Joe and Al's wife, and I was, and I was just, uh, I was like, well, how did I go from being in a tractor cab to hanging out with two crazy really cool executives of a multi-million dollar knife company. I I just felt myself impressing them. And I was like, that's kind of strange. I I never had anyone impressed by saying that I worked a hundred hours in a week before doing a labor job. I just kind of thought growing up in my small town in the farming community, that was just kind of normal. Yeah. Wow. So this was a Canadian district manager candidate event that Al hosted in, in Atlantic City? That's right. Yeah. It was for the uh, Canadian organization. And we all went there from across Canada and got to meet everyone. It was a really cool experience. We played, uh, you know, just hung out on the beach there. I got to go through all the casinos and, and uh, yeah, it was all put on by Al. I got to see Al's house. And then I got to see where his future house was getting built. And it was just really inspiring. It, it allowed me to think a little bit bigger than before thinking, you know, I'm, I'm doing this little knife gig, but you know, it's a lot bigger than this. This is, this is kind of a place where, there's professionals here, essentially business professionals that are very, very successful that I didn't know existed. And, and that was a, a little bit of a turning point for me to think differently about the opportunity. Yeah. And this all led you to becoming a district manager then once you graduated from college the following spring, right? That's correct. And uh, I remember going to Leadership Academy just with an open mind. I was pretty against being a district manager, really, because I didn't know much about it. I just didn't really see myself being a district manager when it was September. But as I kept going through Leadership Academy and learning all the skills, I remember attending key staff meetings uh, at our office and and, and I learned about Jim Rohn for the first time. And I started reading personal development books. I remember reading one by uh, Brett Wilson, who is a very successful entrepreneur, one of the wealthiest people in Alberta, who started started a company around the oil fields. And just getting inspired and learning that experience alone did a lot for me, but also getting to go to, you know, see the factory, go to Ole in New York, learning about all the other people and the, and the managers like Angie and Joe and, and the success of the company. That learning experience right there really led me to think, well, I don't have a career lined up for next year. 
if I give this a shot, what was the worst thing that would happen? And the worst thing that would happen is I would learn a lot and become a better person in all areas of my life. And then I would find another job. I was like, I might as well give this a shot. And I might as well give the district manager opportunity a shot. And I remember competing for a territory. And some people would be like, why are you competing for it? But I was competing for a territory called Red Deer. It's the city is Red Deer. And there's 90,000 people that live there. And you might think, why would you compete for that city? Well, it was close to my farm. And uh, I was grateful, very grateful that uh, I remember having a conversation with Angie and Angie giving me the opportunity to be able to be a district manager while also farming because I had a farm business of my own that I created as well as our as our family farm. So mm. I, I kind of had that as a, I need to be there, Angie. And she made an opportunity for me to do both. Yeah. So, wow. So that, That's cool. Yeah, that was, I required, I needed to have an assistant manager. So I had to train my own assistant manager. And it just so happened, I found one that was moving to Red Deer and uh, I had to sell the most. And I had to save the most because one other person wanted that territory and I managed to uh, get the first pick. Nice. Nice. So you started in Red Deer as a DM for your first few years? That's correct. Yep. Yeah. Tell us about uh, those first couple of years as a DM. Yeah. The first couple of years as a district manager, I remember being a successful sales rep, you know, winning number one scholarships and the income I made. And you know, I felt very skilled in that. But then as a district manager, I felt like... A brand new rookie again. And I was like, okay, well, this is, this is going to be challenging. And what I remember about my first summer specifically, and if you're a new district manager listening to this, I would say just be prepared to, to fail at least once. I remember failing, feeling like I, I failed. I had a great start. I, had, I remember 35 people that were scheduled for my, for my training seminar. And then I had three that showed up. Mm. And uh, However, I just give it 110% to that seminar because I really believed in those three people. And I was like, this is my, this is my team. I'm creating something special here. And, and I give it everything I got. That one girl in that training seminar, uh, her name was Haley. She sold $22,000. All right. So, uh, and all of a sudden I was the number one new district manager. So that created a lot of momentum and that was very exciting. And I, I remember I was only you know, I was adding a couple people to my team a week and, and I, was, I was working with very small numbers. But then I remember everything going backwards in the middle of that summer. I remember having my whole team quit. I even had my receptionist quit on me. And I remember I, got, I went on a small trip. It was for four days to the very East Coast, uh, Nova Scotia in Canada. And I remember being there with my mom and I'm like, mom, everybody quit. And she's like, well, Mitch, maybe you should look for a new job. Like, doesn't sound very good. And I just remember being down in the dumps. It's a challenging place to be, but I didn't give up. I hired a new receptionist. I kept going with it. And then one, I had one person show up to an interview. And I remember this moment and his name was Mike. Mike comes in my interview and he looks like a sharp guy, he's well put together. He's from a small town outside of Red Deer. And I give him the job. All right. So I remember giving Mike the job. And then he said, I'm like, well, we have training starting in an hour. and he says, okay, I got to move my car. So I said, okay, I'll come with you because I didn't want him to leave. So, <laughs> so I went with him. We parked his car. He showed me his Mustang. He's an older Mustang. And I was like, that's a pretty cool car, man. And we talked and they came back to training. Anyways, I retained him and Mike got started. Mike had a $5,000 fast start. And uh, he recommended a guy named Sean, who also had a $7,000 fast start. And remember, Mike and Sean just became leaders. Those two leaders right there helped me to reamp the entire team. 
And uh, both of them went on to sell, you know, one sold over 30,000 and uh, Sean went on to sell uh, hundreds of hundreds of thousands of dollars and became a district manager later on. And to this day, crazy enough, is one of my real estate partners and has over a million dollars in real estate properties at the age of 24. All of this really stemmed from just not giving up. And that was probably a, a game changer right there for me. That led me into a campaign where we, where we, uh, the next campaign went full force ahead. I had these two leaders. I was continuing to farm and work my butt off on the farm. But now I had two assistant managers that were helping me. And I was still able to farm and get all the harvest done while you know leading through people. And uh, the, being able to do that and, and develop them, I started learning how to develop people. I started to learn that you know the more energy I put into other people and the more that uh, they grew as, as a person, the more I, they could help the organization and also help themselves. So I remember spending a lot of time with just being a great leader for them, taking them out for food. I remember working out with Sean. We had workouts in the office and we do workout routines in there. And uh, we just developed a really solid relationships. And uh, those two led us and created a team that led us to the number one district across Canada, new district for the year. And uh, that was that was a, a really amazing experience to go through and almost beat Angie for President's Banquet doing almost oh. 190,000 new business out of the uh, smallest district in Canada for population. Wow. Nice. Nice. I love how if you, if you think back to Andrew not giving up on you and kind of hanging in there with you, and then you brought that full circle to the people that you stuck with in your organization, you know, that Mike and, and Sean and the others that you just described that you stuck with. I think that that's kind of the essence of what we do as leaders here in Vector. So, and it was a trip out to Nova Scotia that was the reset for you. There might be something magical out there, Mitch. My podcast producers are in Halifax, just FYI. So shout out to Charlie and Derek, if you guys are listening to this. But it's uh, cool. You came back from that. And that was the reset right there. Nice. That's crazy. I'm going to Halifax November 6th to see one of our top district uh, manager candidates who is uh, going to school out there and playing football. So I'll, I'll be there in, in early November. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Sounds good. So you've been balancing working in Vector with being involved in farming ever since, right? All, all these years, that's been the sort of the balancing act that you've had to play. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. Uh, as a new district, that was the agreement with Angie and I is I had to do both. And, you know, my brother is off in school. I had to help my, my dad at the family farm and it's not a small farm. It's we've now grown it to, we have uh, 10,000 acres of land that we seed and it's a lot of work. So I had to run the business in Vector, I would do that for four days of the week. And then for three days, I had to grind. In those three days, I was often doing 16-hour days. I, when I look back in that summer, that first summer, it was you know working 100 to 120 hours a week is somewhat unhealthy. But I gained the capacity that I think that not many people have. And uh, through that experience, I developed a capacity that, that I would use for the rest of my life that first summer. And uh, it was just through hard work and determination and never giving up. Wow. Incredible. Uh, I like, I admire that just the sheer grit and effort that you must have put in over all these years to be able to get to where you are now and be able to have both these things happen and, and to be able to support also your, your family in the farm. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, definitely. I remember once my district took off and I was the top district manager in Canada, you know, I remember for a little bit there, 
removing myself from it, not going back farming much at all and and putting that all on my on my brother and it's something that it's kind of in my blood you know it's built into my blood i'm the uh, fifth generation of uh tinch farms of our, our farming company and i've had to come back throughout the years and i i left it and i just i couldn't leave it so i i thought you know i gotta continue doing this uh, being involved in both there for uh, for the rest of my life so yeah amazing tell us about uh some of the transformational moments in your management career mitch yeah, so I would say transformational moments in my management career would be would be really helping helping people. I think when you give people everything you've got as a servant leader and you serve them and you really just care about changing their life and you care about seeing them grow and realizing in that moment that you can be you can be a person that they look back in their life that says you changed my life. Not many people do get that opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. And for myself, I've had even I think about Mackenzie, one of our one of my sales managers. Uh, he went on from this business to to have arguably the top paid job out of his entire business school, making a six figure income right out of business school as a, as a commerce graduate. I think about helping somebody like Dan. Dan is a hundred percent visually impaired, and uh, he he couldn't see. He's never seen Cutco knives, but he's used them and he used them in training. And I was like, hey, Dan, you know, hold back on that. But, you know, he, he didn't have any sight and he sold $100,000 of Cutco. Wow. And he's moved on now to start his own business. I think about nurses. I think about engineers. I think about all the different types of people that I've helped. And the thing that I, that's been transformational has been just them reaching back out to me and uh, them telling me, that I've been one of the greatest. You know, I got a text message recently when I when I look at it, and it says, "You're the reason I'm learning so much about myself and growing, and the reason for all the success I've had." And it's messages like that, and from the people that have helped, that has been transformational to me. So that's definitely one of them. I think about having almost ten thousand dollars. I've been trying to calculate it of how many books I have. And reading books often, that's something I remember as a farm kid, I was like, I don't read books. I just work hard. And you know, that used to be my mentality. But now I read personal development books. I'm probably the only farm kid in Alberta, for that matter, that does that. We're one of the few. <laughs> and just like reading all these books, sharing that personal growth with other people. Another transformational moment for myself was really pushing myself with the personal growth alongside getting into coaching. And uh, I went through a very, very challenging time, and which was one of our best years, which is kind of crazy. But during one of the best years last year, when the pandemic hit, was was one of the most challenging times in my career. Being a division coordinator, I had a lot of a lot of personal challenges that I was dealing with, and I was I started coaching with John Israel, who's also been on the podcast and has been a huge influence in my life, and him helping me work through the problems. Paying coaching, you know, I'm I'm getting up to a point where I'll, I've spent tens of thousands of dollars on on personal coaching, and some people think, hey, you know, you, you're spending hundreds of dollars an hour on on having somebody sit on Zoom with you. You know, I, people have told me that's kind of crazy, but for myself, that was an investment to myself to take it to the next level. And this year, which for some people has been challenging in Vector, it's been I'm on pace for one of my best years that I've ever had. So I think that comes down to coaching, continuing to grow. And learning and, and developing yourself, that's been a huge transformational moment for myself right now. And uh, I've always had a goal at the beginning, Dan. I've always had a goal that 
I've loved building really big houses. You know, I've always had a goal. I wanted a really big house and we're building our dream home as we speak. And it's, it's cool to think that all the growth from the beginning has led me to being a better leader and the coaching and, uh, you know, all the development that I've done and all the people I've been around, like Joe and Angie and Shayla, who's been on the podcast and those leaders, but also just all the other people, you know, across the United States and all the great people and all the great friends I've made. That's all impacted me to a point where I'm literally achieving my dreams and thinking about so much more. Yeah. So awesome, Mitch. I love hearing all that stuff. I especially love the focus on personal growth because that is truly one of the most important things that I think has helped me to succeed and has helped so many other people to succeed at a much higher level than others is that ongoing development process that happens consistently week in, week out, right? We are evolving as humans, right? No great leader in vector or out of vector is going to look back a year ago and say, I'm exactly the same person as I was. We're all able to define how we are better, how we're continuing to grow because there's that intentional process that happens. I was just talking with my region team about takeaways from SLC yesterday on a regional Zoom call. And and I tried to dissect three things. I'm like, you got to have a recruiting system, right? Which Jake Miser talked about, Kyle Lopes talked about, Paige Weber taught some ideas on as well. Uh, You got to have a recruiting system in the right amount of effort into recruiting. Then when you train people, they got to do well, they got to sell. That's what Drew mainly talked about and some of the other messages applied as well. Those are two obvious foundational building blocks of success in business. But then what puts the top on the pyramid, so to speak, is that you're constantly growing and evolving as a leader. It's what Angie talked about, right? Um, And Stacey Campbell, to a different degree, also discussed. Like that element of success is what pulls everything else forward in your business and in your life. And it seems like that's been a big focus of yours uh, for a lot of years. So that's really cool. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And you've carried that forward by developing a lot of people. I know you've developed something like 23 managers in six or seven years running an office. What has led to such prolific development for you? When I think about developing people, I think about having big goals, having big dreams. I've always casted a vision. And I remember starting, you know, in my small Red Deer office, we had the smallest territory, but I talked about, we're going to get a sales leader in every small town. And we're talking about like 30 small towns I wrote down. And some of them had like a thousand people. I'm like, we're going to have a sales leader in this town and this town and this town. And I had it drawn up and right in the, it was there every time everyone came in for the team meeting, they could always see it. And if you don't have that vision painted of what you want to build, and if it's not massive, you're not going to develop as many people and not as many people follow that goal. And I think that's been a big part of that. I think about just caring about the people. There's a level in business where people just understand that you don't care about them. And I think there's so many you know companies out there, they just go through the motions. And when I think about caring about people, it's doing things like, hey, like I'm going to fly across the country to watch your football game, which I'm doing in Halifax. I think about uh, taking somebody out for food. I think about meeting with somebody and, and doing a insanity exercise with them constantly throughout the week. I think about 
just giving people books. And, you know, unfortunately I've lost a lot of books. I start making people buy them now, but giving people books and, you know, having them read it and tell me about it. These are things that we do just to go to their way, which have nothing to do with selling cut code has nothing to do with selling knives. It has to do with, look, if, if you're going to work with me on this team, you're going to become a better version of yourself. You're going to become a better person. And uh, you're going to remember this for the rest of your life. And I think if you take that and apply it to every single person you work with, that's a big part of it. And the last thing I would say, Dan, is just walking the talk, talking about success and talking about personal development. If you're not actually doing it, well, people can kind of tell. I've actually done miracle mornings with people at the office and some of the leaders, and we do that in the push periods. And if you're not walking the talk, it's it, that's a big deal. And then when I teach people about financial success, right? If I'm not being financially smart either, then that's it's a reflection. So I've always tried to do what, I, what I'm teaching uh, to other people. And I think that's really important. That was great stuff, Mitch. The idea of like people can tell you really care about them as humans versus what they're producing for you. There are moments in time where that becomes revealed very clearly. And it's a lot of times it's small little actions. It's little things that you do. Like you said, like going to fly across the country to go uh, meet your candidate in Halifax. There are things like that, that that's a pretty big moment, I suppose you could say. But there are a lot of little smaller moments where somebody realizes like, whoa, there's no reason Mitch would do this if he didn't really want to help me as a human. And more than just trying to get me to produce CPO, right? Produce sales. And those moments are critical in the relationship between a leader and the people they are leading. And uh, it's something I think every leader can think about is like, what are some of the small actions that I'm taking that are making it very clear to people that I'm invested in them as human beings? So it's cool that that you're doing that. Joe and Angie, Mitch, have both mentioned that big thinking is one of your top attributes. How did that develop in your life? Where'd that come from? Yeah. So I went to, I think about this moment when I was in grade 10 and there was someone walked into our classroom and they said, you know, and this is a really small school, right? So there's only like, you know, 20 of us. That was my graduating class. So they said, we can take four people to go to this lemonade stand entrepreneurship event. First off, I stood up and said, I'll go because I you know, get out of class, right? So I get invited to go. I was really happy. I go to this thing and they're like, okay, so here's all these ingredients. You guys are going to make a lemonade stand and whoever makes the best lemonade stand here is going to win. So I just took it on myself. I took over the group. Everyone's like, what should we do? And I said, I'm looking around everyone else. We got to get these ingredients. Let's just get the most amount of lemonades, the different types of lemonades that we can get. And we're going to have all different flavors and we're going to blow everywhere. The competition's coming to us because we got the best different flavors for the most different types of people. And uh, anyways, long story short, that won us the event. And I, I, I even won the door prize. I won this like digital camera, which back then was like, you know, an amazing thing to have. And that was a game changer event for me because I learned that entrepreneurs can be very successful, very wealthy people, very, very influential. And I'm not going to lie. I really loved material things as a kid. I've always like had goals. Like I want to have a helicopter. I want to live in a mansion. I want to have a, my own pool outside my house. And my wife thinks it's overboard, but I don't think it is. You know, I've always wanted that. And I just remember being the, the person in my family that was always like, you know, I'd always go up to my sister and be like, hey, you know, I'll do this favor for you if you give me that $5 you got in your piggy bank, you know? And I was like, I always had that mentality. So this event was, was, uh, was huge for me because 
it made me think big about what I could do as an entrepreneur. And it became a goal of mine to be a millionaire in my 20s. And just that being able to achieve over a net worth of $1 million, I was like, that has to be a goal. But uh, thinking big, I think is just... Uh, my mentality is, is if you're going to think, why wouldn't you think big? If you're going to waste the energy to think in the first place, you might as well think big. So I love the challenge in thinking big. I love uh, the thrill of it. And I like to teach that to other people that if, if you're going to do something, you might as well give it 110%, right? So that's where that big thinking started from in high school. And when I think about Vector, I've incorporated it into how big can your district be? When as a district manager, could you be flying your own helicopter? And I, I think about things like that and not just material things though, thinking big and how am I going to be someone that's read over 10,000 books? How am I going to be someone that's... I've always thought about, I, I need to run a, an Ironman. I don't know when I'm going to do it, but I got to be someone that can run an Ironman. You know, Angie inspired that with me. Think big about every area of your life. It could be physically, it could be materialistic, it could be whatever. But if you're going to think about something in the first place, why not think it as, as big as possible? Yeah, that's very cool. I love that you can point at one event in 10th grade that was truly transformational for you. And what I thought about when you were describing this is just the idea that you volunteered. You stood up, you volunteered. You were willing to try something. You were willing to do something. You were willing to step out, so to speak and grow yourself, expand your comfort zone. And I just think for anybody listening, like there are opportunities that are going to come along this week or this month or very soon in your life that are like this, where it, it's a chance to volunteer and to do something and to have an opportunity to grow, have an opportunity to meet someone that makes a difference in your life, have an opportunity to do something you can look back on and say, I did it. If I did that, I can do these other things. And do we take on those opportunities or do we shy away from those opportunities? Like your mindset seems like it's been to take on the opportunities. And I think that's a really cool thing that I've learned here today and listening to you. Definitely. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. And it, you know, that just made me think of, you know, when I first applied for the job, I often teach this to people, I was like, hey, if everyone's telling you it's too big or you can't do it, you should probably do it. And uh, I think about the job. Everyone told me not to do it. Everyone said, hey, you know, like I'm, one person told me it was a scam. The other person in business school said that you're not going to make any money doing this. My one friend was trying to convince me to, to stock shelves at Costco. And my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, thought I was joking. You know, she's like, no, you're not. Right. So I, I think there's times like that where, yeah, you got to, you just got to go for it. You got to try every experience. If you don't try it, you'll never know. And uh, that's literally why I'm here is I, like you said, kind of just stood up and said, Let, let's, let's try it. Yep. And the success you've had at Vector has led to a lot of personal wins along the way, I assume, right? That's correct. Yes. Something I love about, about Vector. Well, first off, I would say the travel, like the travel opportunities have been, been unreal. And this leads into my personal life a lot, the company trips you get to go on. And uh, I've spoken with this at conference and I've had, a, I've had slides of like how many places I've went to. And it's like, I've went to over 30 places, countries, states with Vector before the age of 30. One of those was in Rome and you know I was uh, carrying a ring around with me nervously and in Pompeii, I actually proposed to my wife uh, on a company trip to Rome. That was really exciting. And that was a big win for me. And she said yes. So that was great. And it's kind of strange. I did it in the ruins of Pompeii, but it was like... <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, 
and now you're married and have two kids. That's right. Yeah. And you know, that goes to another personal win was I married, uh, you know, it was my high school sweetheart, which is kind of cool. I have uh, two beautiful children and they amaze me every day. And being able to being able to have kids, Dan, has been, you know, I told my wife I wanted five of them. First off, I like the challenge of having so many kids. And, you know, thinking, I love thinking them. big again, thinking big. Yeah, exactly. I, I know I could drop down to three, right? So I'm still trying to work on the third, but it's uh, think big in it, right? So yeah, two awesome children and learning how to coach them and being part of front row dads has been a big personal win for me and, and learning how to be a better father as a focus on being a better dad and husband as a business person. It's been a big personal win for me. And I would say, yeah, I, I love the opportunity to have children and, and also have a business and go big with that in both areas. And you said you're building a, a dream home? That's correct. Yes. We're, uh, we're building a dream home. Being able to work now, I, running the Edmonton office, which is one of the biggest territories in Alberta of a million people, I can run that now with the virtual environment. You know, Actually, everything changing more virtual has been one of the biggest wins for me because I can now run Vector and still go to the city when needed. And uh, being able to move back to our dream home. So yeah, we, uh, we live in a house right now where we've been... Uh, there's a renter that lives underneath us. It's a little bit smaller of a house, but we kind of took that step back and created it into a real estate property that's going to profit us. And we're moving to another house. So we're going to keep the other one. And I think that's been a been a huge win, definitely. And it's definitely our dream home. I think that's been a big win. And, and speaking of that, another personal win is just through Vector and, and Cutco. And I'd say this to any salesperson here that listens to this, you can be very, very successful in sales. And when you are it allows you to invest. And I, I think that's been a personal win in the culture of our company is when you're helping a lot of people, making a lot of income, treat yourself like you're barely making any money. I remember like, I don't even go to like, I never go to Starbucks. I, I can't stand it. I, it's a great company. I just, it's $5, right? And how, how do I save as much money as possible? Cause I could invest that. Right. So, you know, that's led me to uh, get into uh, develop a, don't say this to brag, but a multi-million dollar real estate portfolio. I started buying houses on the very East Coast with Sean Campbell. He was uh, that top sales rep I told you about there. That uh, He ended up... He sold hundreds of thousands of dollars, was a district manager for a few years, moved on, and he started buying real estate properties. And that's all started with him buying houses. So we started buying houses. And that's been a big personal win for me is learning real estate. And I learned most of it. He became a mortgage broker. And I've learned all this around Cutco by communicating with him. And uh, so when I think about that, that's really cool. You know, we're doing another a really big uh, building deal right now with one of our another top sales rep and uh, getting involved in that. And so it's kind of all tied together, Dan, as uh, an entrepreneurial journey through Cutco that's uh, developing a lot of wealth. And not just for myself, but everyone that I surround myself with. And that's been really cool being able to invest money and learning about real estate and investing in the stock market. Uh, Joe Cardillo has been a, a huge influence on investing with me and you know investing in the right way. And I invest through Wealth Simple, which is like a robo investing company that we have here in Canada, and learning how to do that. So being really smart with money, and when you're making a lot of money, investing it. So I've always had a dream of how can I be 40 years old and work because I want to. Awesome. Well, it seems like you're well on your way to being able to do those things. I hope your house you're building has a large flat patch somewhere out in the backyard for you to be able to land the helicopter. <laughs> Mitch, you're definitely going to need that. 
That's that's correct. It, it's definitely gonna have a pad for that. I have a, a whole built vector office above my garage, so I've got uh, got a lot of space there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's probably a lot quicker to get from Edmonton to Consort in a helicopter than it is to drive, right? <laughs> that's right. That's funny you say that, Dan. Again, I was thinking big. People think I'm joking when I say a helicopter, but I'm actually for sure getting a helicopter. Uh, I can actually get that through the farm because they also spray crops. So uh, I, I, I will definitely be getting a helicopter. <laughs> that is outstanding, man. Well, hey, this has been great. You've definitely added a lot of value. I've learned a lot of cool things about you. Just want to wrap up and ask you as you look into the future and building your organization, what are you most excited about? What I'm most excited about, Dan, is I think about my mission statement or my why. And I, you know, I have this on my phone and, and saved as a screensaver. And it's it's to inspire people to achieve massive growth personally and professionally so that they can prosper and experience the rewards of their hard work and determination. So to inspire people to achieve massive growth personally and professionally so they can prosper and experience the rewards of their hard work and determination. So that's uh, really what I think of when I think about why I'm here, what my purpose is, is to make that happen. So I want to inspire a lot of people. You know, it's uh, we live in a world where you're really the sum financially and who you are as a person of the five people you hang out with the most, right? So I want to create, you know, a team. I want to create a team of people, whether that's in real estate, if that's in Cutco, if that's in my family farm, if that's in uh, personal, you know, relationships. I want to help everyone that I that I interact with. And so many people don't don't even know that they can really grow themselves personally. They've never even thought about that before. They've never thought about how can they become a better version of themselves? You know, how can they be a better father? How can they be around, you know, a group of people and in, in front row dads that are working on being better fathers? Like I didn't even know that existed. And I, and I heard about that through Cutco, right? How can they prosper and experience rewards of their hard work? And hard work and determination is something that got me to the, the point that I am in my life right now. I want others to know that that's important, right? And I want them, I want to help them create that for themselves. I grew up in a very, like I said, I, I think one of the best provinces in Alberta, hard work is a, is a big thing out in the prairies or Saskatchewan or Manitoba. And we, we work really, really hard to get things done. But I think if, if, we, if we put that hard work in, we can develop a life for ourselves that you're not going to have to work as hard later down the road. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be able to achieve anything you set your mind to. And you can invest in real estate. You can invest in the stock market. You can do all these things. You can uh, have a family. You can have kids. You can have uh, you know five kids if you want and run a multi million dollar business. You know that's what I want people to learn, and I want to I want to be able to teach that to as many people as I can. My main goal here, Dan, is uh, with my time in Cutco, is I want to create the number one division uh, that Canada has ever seen. Uh, I would like to be uh, the first division to do over five million dollars in sales. And then set a goal to go over $10 million in sales. And I know to do that, we need a lot of great leaders and we need to develop a lot of really great people. So throughout that, I want to create a legacy that would last uh, in Vector to the day that I die. I'd like to see a lot of people help a lot of other people and be a reason that so many leaders get created in cities all across Canada and uh, make not just the country, but the world a better place to live in. Awesome. Mitch, this has been really inspiring. You've had some great things to say. I love uh, your personal mission that you shared right there and the vision that you have for the future of your organization and the legacy that you want to build through your work. This has been really great. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for being a guest on the podcast. 
Thanks, Dan. I really appreciate you inviting me to it. So it's been a lot of fun. All right. All right. That was Mitch Tinch, everyone. Hope you enjoyed that. I sure did. Interesting to note that Mitch sold $18,000 his first eight months on the job. And then the switch was flipped. And in that fall campaign, he was the number one college All-American in all of Canada, over $35,000 in sales in that fall campaign while going to school. And it just really speaks to the importance of having undying belief in the people that we have on our team. When you can see the seeds of greatness, are you continuing to promote what's possible and hang in there and inspire people the way Andrew Ironmonger inspired Mitch so well? I love that idea of just not giving up on people. I can't help but think of Larry Manley when I say these things and think about the podcast I had with him a couple of years ago where Larry talked about his path and also how he has carried that forward to develop so many great people. That was great stuff in there that Mitch shared. I love how he also talked about gaining capacity through hard work and combining that with big thinking and big goals and how that is exactly what Mitch models and shares and teaches to his people now. And that's a big reason why people are sticking around in Mitch's organization and why he has had such great development over the years with so many new managers, because he is a great example and role model for them in so many ways. And of course, Mitch has turned all of this effort and business success into great personal wins. And that's really what it's all about, making sure that we have all of our dreams and goals identified so that as we're working hard, we are leveraging our success into the personal wins that we want in our life that are going to be the most meaningful in the long run. Great stuff from Mitch Tinch. I appreciate it. It was great to get to know him a little bit here today. Hope you guys enjoyed that as well. Thanks for supporting the podcast. Thanks for listening. If you got value from today's episode, please share it with others and consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player. Subscribing to the podcast is free and ensures that future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. And to support our podcast sponsors, visit changinglivespodcast.com slash deals. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives. 